Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka, and I wanted to welcome you to episode 105 of ADHD for Smartass Women. In this episode, I am going to introduce you to Michaela Key. Michaela contacted me a few months ago and told me that she was a collegiate athlete at the Evergreen State College in Washington State. And she told me that she would be the perfect candidate for our podcast because number one, she had not seen an episode of this podcast or heard an episode of this podcast about athletics and sports and education. And she felt that many in the ADHD community either are or were athletes at some point in their life. Number two, Michaela wanted to talk about her college and how it doesn't have a standard grading system, which has worked really well for her and so many other ADHD students. So I love Michaela's idea. So I said, step right up, Michaela. And that is why she's here. So Michaela is currently a senior. She's finishing her bachelor's degree. She's going to be going into a master's in teaching program after that. She volunteers as a paraeducator at a local elementary school. I'm going to have to ask her what a paraeducator even is. And of course, in true ADHD fashion, Michaela has been doing all this while working as a semi-professional soccer player for the past three years. Michaela, welcome. Thank you so much, Tracy. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So did I get all that right? From what I heard, yes, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't listening, were you, Michaela? <laughs> you were thinking about what you're going to say. So, Michaela, can we talk about your ADHD first? Yes, of course. So, I want to know when were you diagnosed? I was officially diagnosed the year after I dropped out of the university. So, tell me how old you are now, just to kind of get a. I'm 21. I did two years of college in high school. What do you mean you did two years of college in high school? There's a, it's called Running Start. And we, for my junior and senior year of high school, I could travel to the local community college and get my associate's degree. So that's what I did. So 
that was awesome for me. But I got my diagnosis at 19 and my official diagnosis. But right after I came home and I told my parents after my therapist was like, I think you have ADHD. I was like, mom, I think I have ADHD. And she was like, you do. And I was like, what? You knew? And she was like, yeah, of course. And I was like, what? How did I not know? Like, what? And did she know because she had just done some reading on it? Or had you been diagnosed before? Which tends to happen to a lot of us. We're diagnosed and either we don't remember or our parents didn't tell us. I don't know if I was diagnosed before. I might have like been by my doctor, but my mom just didn't decide to like keep that, I guess, like label on me um, because she thought like maybe I'd grow out of it, I guess. I don't know. But there was definitely like now talking to her after, like there's definitely so many signs that I had ADHD and ADD. Okay. So tell me what they were. I'm assuming, before you do that, though, I'm assuming because you did two years of college and high school, school wasn't a struggle for you? Or am I assuming wrong? School was definitely a struggle for me. Like, I I am so smart. Like, I am super smart. But, like... (laughs) I love that you say that. Doing homework makes me look like I'm not smart. Like... When I was in fifth, my mom just told me this last night, actually. When I was in fifth grade, I tested to get into the honors program. It's like special ed, but like for like really smart kids. Mm -hmm. But then my teacher wanted me to go into like the actual special ed math and reading because I was not doing good. And my mom was like, look, she passed all the tests and she like is in the top 5%. She just doesn't do her homework. And then they finally accepted me into the program. And then I had like, there was like three of us in the class and one teacher. So that worked a lot better. And I actually like was succeeding in school in fifth grade. And that's where it started. My mom realized that I needed like individual attention, I guess. Okay. So it sounds like you are, frankly, one of the typical ADHD students where there's unexpected underachievement, meaning that you test really well and you're smart and you seem to understand the concepts. And so because you don't do your homework, your teachers just assume, oh, you're lazy, you're unmotivated. Yeah. Yeah. Unorganized, all that. (laughs) Okay. So tell me some of your symptoms that, you know, you, you mentioned that, well, now it's like with hindsight, of course I had ADHD. Tell me some of them as, you know, a child you were growing up. One main thing I remember is my mom always getting furious at me for losing my recess jacket coat. And we always have to bring a a jacket to recess. And then like, I'd come home without it. So my mom was like, yeah, I swear I bought like 10 new jackets every year because you just keep losing them. And then she ended up writing her phone number on the inside. And so a few of them got returned. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I guess just like not doing my assignments being really, my mom would call it like spacey, I guess. Like they'd be talking to me and then I would just like say something random that was in my head and not listen to what they're talking about at all. Are you an only child, Michaela? I have three younger sisters. So you're the oldest? Yes, I am. Are any of them like you? I would say they all have tendencies, but 
from what I can tell, I'm the only one of my siblings that has ADHD or ADD. But I think both of my parents have it, which is (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's just not showing to me and my siblings. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So then there's a pretty good chance that some of your other siblings might have it, but maybe different symptoms. Uh But I didn't get diagnosed till I was like 19 and they're not 19 yet. So maybe that's when they'll figure it out. How old are they? They're so I'm the oldest and I'm 21. And so Ariana is 18 and then it's Olivia is 15 and Abigail is 12. All three years apart. Wow. So four (laughs) girls. Yep. Four girls. (laughs) That actually sounds like a lot of fun. That's the best. I'm wondering in school, were there any social challenges as far as grade school? Um, I'm actually like a really social person and I make mm-hmm. friends really easily, but obviously there's like the rejection sensitive part where I would get upset in social situations and I would get embarrassed, but I think all around I was a pretty social and friendly person. So friendships were not that big of a problem for you. It's easy for you to make friends. You're super social. Oh, yeah. I can make friends with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very, very ADHD, especially if you are hyperactive. So oh, yeah. when did sports come into your picture? Oh, ever since I can remember. <laughs> Have you always been good at them? I would say, like, when I was, like, younger, obviously, like, I was really uncoordinated, but I would say I was probably one of the better kids. I think I've always been really, really competitive, and I like to be good at things. So I think I've always been good at sports, I guess. Not all sports, but soccer, definitely. (laughs) I struggled with baseball a lot. My dad said I was just the kid in the outfield picking the flowers in the field. (laughs) (laughs) I think that is the worst sport if you have ADHD, unless you're a pitcher. There's like 10 seconds where you're actually doing something and it's like, (laughs) and probably forget about that 10 seconds and miss your turn at bat. So when it comes to athletics and ADHD, clearly that seems to be probably your biggest workaround. Is that true? Oh yeah. So what does it do for you? Soccer. Soccer is like a huge emotional and physical release, I guess. If I'm like upset, if I'm frustrated with something, stressed out, like with school or anything, soccer will totally change my mood around. And I found like working out, doing any kind of athletic activity like sports helps that too. And I think I've always known that. I just didn't connect it that I have a like I have a lot more energy to release than most people. I didn't connect to that until like now, like a year ago. But I think I've always known that soccer and whatever and like I play tennis too. And tennis have always been my like releases for emotional and physical like frustration, I guess. So have you by any chance read John Brady's book Spark? I have not. I'm just getting back into reading after losing interest from school. (laughs) 
I'm pretty sure there's an audiobook too, but it was so good. I don't know. I'm an audiobook person. Uh-huh. When it's something I have extreme interest in, like pretty much anything with ADHD, then I need a book. Yeah. Um, because, you know, then I want to highlight and I want to tab and I want to take notes on it. But anyway, John Rady has a book called Spark, and he talks about exercise, not specifically exercise in ADHD, but exercise and the brain and just what it does to the brain as far as increasing dopamine. So I, you know, it just makes perfect sense to me, everything that you're saying here. Yeah. And so what's interesting to me is that you not only talk about the physical, like it's dissipating all that energy, like it offers an emotional workaround. You can be... (laughs) I mean, can you be like really frustrated and really upset about something and then you go out and you play soccer and afterwards you feel so much better? Yes, for sure. When I was in high school I and like before COVID, there wasn't a day that I wasn't playing soccer or playing sports just because I'm a very emotional person. And if I were to not get that energy out, it would turn into like emotional frustration. So I think... Soccer has definitely helped a lot. So when you say you're a very emotional person, what does that mean to you? Um, My parents have always called me like sensitive and empathetic. So whether it's like my problems or somebody else's problems, I'm very emotional about things. (laughs) My soccer coach in high school actually told me, that if I wanted to continue being a leader on the team and being captain, that I would have to get control of my emotions, which obviously did not go over well, (laughs) 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 which made my emotions worse. (laughs) But I think that shows that I, it was hard because I'm, I'm trying to get my emotions out in soccer, but then like, I'm told like, in order to be good at soccer, you can't have emotions. And it's like, what? Like, I'm so confused. Like, I play soccer because I'm so, like, into soccer because I'm so emotional. And I have this emotional connection with soccer because it helps me through, like, frustrations and energy and everything and, like, life. So to be told, like, that I'm too emotional and I can't be a leader on the team because I'm emotional was, like, really hard. <laughs> that is so interesting. So I'm really curious I mean, you're playing semi-pro soccer now. You must have been able to get control over your emotions. So how did you do it? I think I have gotten better at realizing, like, when somebody says something to me on the field, whether it's, like, my teammate, a coach, the other players, the ref, that it's not personal. Obviously, I still get frustrated a lot, but for the most part, I've realized that it's okay for other people to say mean things to me and I can choose how to react to that. Like usually like during the game, I'll focus in, like they'll say something to me and I'll not think about it until like after the game. Then I'm like, wow, why did that person say that I kicked the ball wrong or something? (laughs) But I definitely think I've also found the right coaches too. What does that mean? Um, I feel like if you're like scared to tell your coach that you have like certain problems, I don't think that that's the right coach for you. I think a coach, well, I know a coach should be somebody that you feel like if there's something wrong, you should be able to talk to them about that. And that's how my coach, I feel with my coach now. And I felt 
that I've grown so much more in the last year than I have like my whole soccer career, not just in skills, but like mentally. (laughs) That's so interesting. You know, what we say all the time is in order to be really successful with ADHD, obviously your primary relationship is super important, but then also your environment. So what you're doing and who you're doing it with, and that's exactly what you're saying here. Yeah. I feel safe, I guess. I'm not as emotionally sporadic if I feel safe because I'm not on edge, you know? Yeah, totally. So is that why when you said that you were going to a therapist and your therapist was the one who said, hey, Michaela, I think it's ADHD. Is that what you were going to therapy for was the kind of emotional dysregulation? Yeah, I think because that was right after. So I went to college at a university in Utah and for a year and it was like really, really hard because it was like traditional school. I was taking six classes, some online, and it was just so hard going from high school to junior college level classes because I already had two years of college. So I was just going straight into junior year of college. And so I was really overwhelmed and I was not doing good in school. I was emotionally like unstable because I had no like direction of self. I thought I was failing at life because I couldn't pass physics or whatever. And then I was like, mom, I think I need to see it because I had an emotional support animal. So I knew like something was wrong. And I, I thought it was my fault. And I was like, maybe, maybe a therapist will help me figure out my stuff, you know, get everything together. And then he was like, after talking to you for 15 minutes, like I'm 99% sure you have ADHD. (laughs) Well, and that's a really good therapist that he recognized that this is pretty typical for those of us with ADHD. We're the first year in college. If it's not a struggle, it's a total bust. And I can see, because not only are you worrying about school, right, but then you've got to get yourself clothed and fed and in bed at the right time and, you know, your laundry done. It makes sense. There's yeah. just so much to manage. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more distractions at college. <laughs> and, and I can also understand that here you are, you know how smart you are, and your confidence must have been totally shaken. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I thought I was like the worst person in the whole world. I was like, why is this not working for me? Like, it worked in high school. Like, I was able to get by. Like, I know I didn't put in everything, but I was able to get by. But now I can't get by. Like, what's going on? (laughs) So um, were you playing soccer at this school in Utah? No, I got medically disqualified, actually. So... (laughs) Oh, Michaela. So do you think there was a connection there, perhaps? I think so, definitely. (laughs) You know, I can't remember who I was speaking with. Um, It was also a young woman. She's from the UK. She does, uh, I don't know if it's cage fighting or kickboxing, one of those two. And it was the same thing with her where I can't remember if she was running or she was actually working, you know, doing kickboxing Martial arts. It was martial arts. And that was her thing all the way through high school. And then her first year of college, she wasn't able to do it. And it was a similar thing where the whole year just fell apart. Yeah, definitely. So not only do you have all of this new stuff that you have to do for yourself without, you know, parents providing the structure, but then on top of it, you're losing your one workaround that is just key, which is your athletics, your soccer. 
Exactly. Yeah. I think that was the hardest part. And I didn't realize that that was the hardest part because like, if I knew that was, that would help it, I probably would have like found a local like recreational team to play on. Cause I just didn't, I wasn't at the health level of college soccer. Mm. If I, I could have probably done it, but my doctor was like, you might like ruin your whole body in one year. And I'm like, okay, that's not worth it. Like <laughs> I have a whole life, <laughs> but I wish that I would have realized like, oh, go outside and walk. Like that's the same kind of like dopamine release or like maybe run a little bit if I can't, if yeah. I, can. I just needed that outlet and I could not find it. <laughs> But you were also probably thinking, oh, my God, I'm not doing well in school. I don't have time to do this stuff. I need to study more, right? Yeah, which uh, I studying was so hard for me. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened then? You decided to come home after that first year? Well, like the school year ended and I went home for the summer and I did. (laughs) My dad wanted me to do online classes to make up for the classes that I didn't do good in. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, like, that's probably not going to work because the online classes were the ones I didn't do very good in, you know? So I did that. He basically, like, strung me along the whole year, helped me out, helped me do all of my assignments, was basically my school manager. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I did, I did good. Like, I did okay. Like, but then I think that was the point where he realized, like, oh, maybe school is not working for Michaela right now. Like we, maybe she should be taking a break because I was like an emotional wreck from feeling like a failure, like from that year. So I took a break for a little bit. That was the summer. And then that November, I got asked by one of the local competitive club coaches, hey, do you want to coach for this club? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like what? <laughs> like, is okay, this- so hold on a second, Michaela, just so we understand. So does that mean you decided not to go back to Utah for yeah, that semester? I stayed in Washington. I stayed, I came back for the summer and then I just didn't enroll in classes and I stayed home. Got it. And then in January, my parents, so I was coaching for the local soccer like club. And in January, my parents decided that it might be a good idea for me to try to go to school, but stay local. So I went to a local university, or I guess it's a local community college, but they have like university degrees that you can get there. I went there for a quarter and that went okay because it was something I was like really interested in, which was like childcare. And I just got to learn all about kids, just talk about kids. So that was good. And while finishing up my last quarter or my qu- the quarter there, I got recruited to play collegiate soccer in Washington, which I was like, oh my gosh, that's like the best thing. Like school in Washington is working for me right now. That's what I want to do. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and that's at the college that I'm going to now. Okay. So how much of your issues, because eh, you remind me a lot of myself as far as my first year of college was literally a shit show. <laughs> the first semester, I should say, the was it the first semester? No, it was the whole darn year, I think. <laughs> we know our ADHD brains are brains of interest. And you are sitting here telling me that you were taking classes in physics. Yeah, it, that's exactly what I was doing. And so my question is, 
How much of it was also what you were studying? Yeah. The classes, like that's what I'm saying. My year, my I did I didn't fail out every class, obviously. I just did absolutely horrible in the ones I did not like at all. And then I did good in other ones. Yep. Which was like forensic science. Like I liked that part of the stuff, but I didn't like the physics and like the boring, like this is gravity, you know? <laughs> yeah. I could totally relate. Or okay, mine were biochem and calculus. Uh-huh. <laughs> I still don't think I could take those classes. So it makes so much sense that if you've got no interest and then you've got all these other things and no soccer, yeah, it makes complete sense to me. Exactly. (laughs) And I was like away from all of my family too. So I didn't have like, yeah, I got an emotional support dog and he helped a lot. What kind of dog? Oh, he's a rescue. He's a Pomeranian. <laughs> oh, a little one. <laughs> he's, he's the best in the whole world. <laughs> oh. So tell me, what about Evergreen College works so well for your ADHD brain? Because it sounds like you did find the right fit in college. And so what specifically is your major? Did I say it at the beginning and I've forgotten? So I started out with criminal justice and forensic science at the other university. And then I came home and realized like I'm super good with kids I love working with kids um and so I decided to switch my major to elementary teaching Uh and how did your grades do after that they're doing way better I so the way evergreen works is so I went from taking six classes at a university in Utah to taking one class with two professors for 16 credits. Wow. So instead of taking six classes to get like 16 or 18 credits in Utah, I was able to take one class with two teachers and still get like the same amount of credits. And the way it works is if the class is about teaching, there'll be like one teacher that focuses on how the like how kids brains work and then one teacher will be focusing on how you should teach like each professor is has a different focus and they're bringing different things to the table but they work together so you're not getting an overload of work and they know exactly what you're doing in your like other credits of time you know and it's a lot easier to for me to organize because I have one class (laughs) one place I go to look at my grades and my assignments it's not six different classes at six different times it's so much easier for my brain to manage (laughs) so can I ask you are you you're taking one class how many where do you go and are you literally sitting there for four hours a day like how does all that work um so I'm going half time right now so I'm not taking full credits but when I was taking full credits it was three days a week, and I would go from nine to two, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So it wasn't like an overload of, and we'd have breaks and lunch and everything. And the teachers there are so good at like making sure that you're not getting overloaded. And I feel comfortable talking to my teachers like, hey, like, I'm going to be like coloring during class, but I'm listening, you know, like I'm going to be doing something, but that's helping me listen to you. Cause if I sit here, I will space out and not know what you're talking about. And then my teacher, she actually 
gave me like a beaded project to do during class to like stimulate my brain and help me like stay focused and learn. (laughs) So that's five hours of lecture though. You're not bored out of your gourd. It's not all lecture. It's like interactive things too. Like Ah. we'll like get in groups and do like art projects. And so I was in a indigenous people class and so we did a lot of indigenous art, which was so awesome for my brain. Because if if we were even doing lectures, I was able to do that art during the lectures. And if I needed a break, like a brain break, I could literally just walk out of the class and walk outside for a few minutes and come back. And my teacher would understand because I like Evergreen is so good at working with the students. Like everybody there is just like most teachers that I've had are open with, I want you to succeed. Like I want to do everything that you like to help you succeed. So if I had any kind of problem, I felt comfortable enough talking to them about it. So is Evergreen College, Michaela, is it a college that specializes in learning differences or was it just this program since it's about education? Um, I don't think it specializes in students that need extra help. I think it's it's a liberal arts college. So I think they just are very good at just working with the students. It's like, there's so many students that work on campus to have jobs. They're just a student-based university. Their job there is not to make money. They're trying to actually give the kids education. And so they look at the students and realize not everybody learns the same way. Yeah. And I think it's also that I've had the blessing of having good teachers because I know not all teachers there would let me walk out of class during their lecture. (laughs) Like that's really, really disrespectful for some teachers. But I worked with the counselor there to find a teacher that would work with me. And so far it's worked awesome. Like I would not change my experience there. (laughs) Explain how it works at Evergreen. You had mentioned something to me about how if you're not doing well in a class, that the professor has the ability to just change the number of units that you get credit for. How does that work? Okay. So I, so if you're going full-time and you're taking a full-time class, so I attempted 16 credits. If I am not doing the full work in that class and the teacher feels that I'm not doing that full work instead of give me an a C or a B or an F they'll give me 8 10 or 12 credits instead of 16 so I still get credit for that class and I still did that class and I'm still working towards my degree but I don't have to like redo that class because I learned 8 credits out of 16 you know does that make sense Yeah. So if you're not doing well, instead of flunking you from the class and then you have to go find other units somewhere else and you don't get any of them, they will just reduce your number of units by how much work they think that you should get credit for. Yeah. And shouldn't get credit for, I guess. (laughs) At the end of the quarter, you have an individual meeting with a teacher and they talk to you about your work and they'll write a report on you. So it's really awesome for jobs because the jobs will literally see, oh, Michaela's really good at this, this, and this. And 
she's struggling a little bit with this, but she's working really hard at blah, 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 you know? So it's like an individual, like, assessment. <laughs> Got it. So when you go... When you go to do your master's program, are you going to do it at Evergreen or are you going somewhere else? Yes, I'm going to do it at Evergreen. They have a master's in teaching program that I'm going to do. What was it called? A master's in teaching. Oh, that's right. You told me. Yeah. I always tell my family that I'm I'm going into the MIT program. (laughs) (laughs) And so what do you want to do? Um, I want to be a kindergarten teacher. Oh. That's awesome. I think that ADHD people make the best teachers because they're so creative and they understand, right? That not everybody learns the same way. Yes. And so tell me, what are you planning on doing with your soccer? Well, right now I'm still playing collegiately and I'll be able to do that through my master's degree. But if COVID's not a thing anymore, then I'll be able to go back to playing semi-pro locally um, in my hometown. And coaching, obviously. I love coaching. Coaching kids is the best. (laughs) So since it sounds like you don't get to do as much around soccer with COVID, have you noticed a difference with your ADHD during COVID? Um, well, I'm still like playing soccer and working out a lot because we're able to play outside with masks on. Isn't that hard? Uh, yeah, I also have asthma too, so, (laughs) but it's outside and we're able to like step away and take like a breathing break. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not where it used to be. Like I can tell like there's certain days where I'm just irritable and so like, on edge and my boyfriend will be like oh hey do you want to go work work out or go for a run or something and I'm like yeah that would be so nice like please (laughs) so Michaela what has changed since you were diagnosed um I think like realizing that like I have all these awesome superpowers And I also have things that are hard for me, but there's workarounds. Like, I'm not a failure just because I can't do standard school. (laughs) Like, there's so many things that I'm so good at that other people have a hard time at. And it's okay to be different, I guess. So what are some of the things that you do really well? You do better than your peers who don't have ADHD? I am really empathetic and I can see when somebody is feeling left out or sad and I am very good at helping them out and making them feel better. And I read social cues really well, I guess, like, like little things people do. I notice like, Oh, I can tell that person is mad. Maybe I should like stop talking or maybe (laughs) I can tell this person is feeling Um, very sad. Maybe I should go over to them, like just by their body language, I guess. And what are the ADHD traits that you feel are responsible for your success? Hmm. Like you're obviously a really good soccer player. (laughs) Are there any ADHD traits that you feel are responsible for the fact that you're so good at soccer? I think like recently I've realized 
actually in one of your podcasts, you said like movies are really boring for people with ADHD because they always know what's going to happen. Um, like, <laughs> you know, and I think that's like something that like, I, I hate movies. Like I do not watch movies at all. Like my family knows if there's going to be a movie on, I'm going to be doing a puzzle. I'm going to be doing something that's actually going to stimulate my brain. <laughs> but I think with that, like, what's it called? How do I, like, when you know everything's going to happen? Like, you know, intuitive response? Yeah, intuitiveness, foresight. Yeah. We just kind of pull together the connections throughout the movie, and it's like, well, he did it. I think that's how, that's one thing that's helped me in soccer. Like, I always know what the other team's going to do. Like, on ah. that place, like, I'm like, oh, the ball's going to go there. Like, oh, this, because yeah. that person turned their hips to the right. Like the ball's going to definitely go that way. I think that's one thing that's helped me. And also being able to adjust to being a really good problem solver, like creative thinker. I'm a soccer coach and things don't always go like exactly as planned. Like if I'm expecting 14 kids, sometimes seven will show up and I have to adjust everything. But I think being a creative thinker and being so energetic has helped me coaching. That's a lot, actually. So your intuitiveness, your problem solving, creative thinking, your energy, you're probably <laughs> pretty intense too, huh? On the oh, field. Yeah. And my, my kids always, the kids always say that they love that I'm so fun, but when I'm intense when I need to be, you know, <laughs> I'm a very competitive person. <laughs> That's another one, fun and competitive. <laughs> yeah, that makes ADHD truly worthwhile, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is, Michaela? I would say you have to find positives about it before you focus on the negatives because there's so many positives and there's so many things that we can do so much better than other people. And I think most people focus on what ADHD people cannot do. And I think we need to focus more on what we can do. That's fabulous. So our strengths basically, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think it is so true. Once we understand how our brains work, then we can start looking for our strengths and then it's almost entirely positive, right? Especially if we can focus on them instead of focusing on, you know, having to work in the weaknesses. Yeah, yeah. Like using the po using the strengths to help your weaknesses, I guess. So what is your number one ADHD workaround? Hmm. Besides soccer. Besides soccer. Oh. <laughs> Do you have any, you know, anything that you do that really helps you with productivity or emotion? I mean, that may be, you know, a big one, too, as far as how you kind of handle when you can feel that there's emotional dysregulation. Anything like that? I like to do I like to do projects. <laughs> um, what does that mean? Like a few like a month ago, I took up crocheting and now I'm doing like the paint by number but with like gems and you put like gems on the paper like just little like art projects I guess 
that I can do. And how does that help you? Um, like it helps me like, like if I'm in a social setting, like with my parents, like I have a big family and I'm a little stressed out, I'll break out a puzzle so I can focus on the puzzle and not get so overwhelmed by all like the sounds and the noises. Or like during class, I'll do color or beaded projects um, so I can focus better, I guess. That's interesting. So your hands are moving and that yeah, my helps hands you have to be doing something. <laughs> I love that. Actually, nobody has ever said that. I think that's brilliant. And I also see that so many of us are really crafty. You know, we love, like you said, projects. Uh-huh. I love that. So Michaela, if someone's listening and they want to know more about you or they may have a question for you, could they find you? Yeah, I actually have a fitness page on Instagram. It is Michaela K and then fit, which would be M-I-K-A-Y-L-A-K-F-I-T. Okay, so it's at Michaela K Fit. Yes. Okay, I'm going to look for that and then I will pop that into the show notes. So, Michaela, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. That was super fun. And I'm just delighted to have young women come on because I think that if we can get them to realize that there's nothing broken with them, as long as they go and they find out what their strengths are and they focus on them, and hearing it from someone young who has basically walked that path, I just think it's so helpful because the sooner we can figure out that, oh, it is ADHD and these are our strengths, then the more life we have to live in that instead of living in our weaknesses. So thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. So that is what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Michaela, please let us know by leaving us a review our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And you know what? Your reviews really help in that regard. So if you have a comment, a guest you'd like me to interview, or a topic idea for this podcast, you can go to my website at tracyoutsuka.com and leave me an audio message or reach out to me at Tracy at Tracy Of course, that's my email. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smart Ass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smart Ass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smart-ass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.